Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Oh, I'm just, I've got so much data and I don't know what to do with it, man. I'm like, I'm going to, I had to bring an expert in today. What kind of data you got over there? I mean, dude, it's just. Talking about your Fitbit or something? I don't even know where to start. I just literally have so much. It's, it's, it's running my life. One Excel spreadsheet is not a lot of data. Stockpiled ever. I tried to get a hold of fullscale.io to help me find some development. Oh, quickly and affordably and they actually do or we do employ data scientists and some other people that do a lot of cool stuff and and you know i joke about the data but i'm I'm also not joking because i do have a lot of it for a lot of different things i think the subject of data science is is intriguing so with us today we've got stephen hardy who's the ceo of my sidewalk what's up good morning good to be here thanks for joining us yeah my pleasure I feel like I should call you doctor or something if we're going to be all Dr. Watson's fine. (laughs) He set you up for that one. (laughs) Matt's been set. Or Dr. Matt. (laughs) If it wasn't for Matt, this podcast would suck. That's right. That's how we like. That's the beauty of having two Matt's on here. So, Stephen, at at my sidewalk, you guys do a lot of interesting stuff. You've self-defined as GovTech. Um, but you know, I want to talk about some of that, but really when it comes to using data science, it's, you know, obviously quote data is a hot topic, not only like how it's gathered, how it's used, what it's used for, and then how much of it there actually is. Yeah. Uh, some people consider data to now be the most valuable thing on the planet. Yep. So, you know, when it comes to, why, I guess, why don't we start by talking about your business, My Sidewalk, and, and those of you that listen often know that we like it when you're interactive. So go to mysidewalk.com, a uh, little reference and check out what's up. And if you want to see how beautiful we are, you can also tune into the Startup Hustle YouTube channel or find us I'm on the ground. <laughs> Keep rolling with that, brother. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Eh. Data, bad data, bad data. <laughs> Not a bad voice, though. Yeah. He, Matt, <laughs> Matt has the voice of an angel. Yes, Matt does. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Stephen, what's up with my sidewalk? What are you guys doing there? Yeah. Uh, so, I think most fundamentally, you know, you're talking about data, and and as a business, we just really believe that data should be a force for good. And so, when we're thinking about that for us, it means how do we build a data science platform for public service? Uh, and so, you know, kind of pulling one layer back uh, more into that, um, you know, when we were kind of looking around at the, the platforms that are out there to solve really complicated kind of community scale issues, there, there are plenty of business intelligence tools and they're great at profit maximization. There aren't really good city or community intelligence tools. And so that's really what our platform at its core is meant to do is to help you solve complicated interdisciplinary data problems around people in place. Okay. So I'm going to force some simplicity here. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. yeah what's like an it, example? Yeah, yeah. Like one basic example of like you, and I love the idea of the concept of using data for good. Yep. Cause I think a lot of people do have kind of a jaded view of what data is being, yeah, you're watching me. Yep. 
so I'd say the, the simplest example is how do you help a fire department get to your house faster, hmm. right? Uh, and in a world where every year there are uh, more and more emergency response calls and uh, there are shifting demographics beneath those and changing traffic patterns, how do we ensure that as a fire department, we're making sure that we get to a house as soon as possible after every call? So that that's a very simple problem that uh, a lot of our customers are trying to solve. So, they, so what, what would you look at? Like, what yeah. are the factors that control that? Yeah, and it's it, you, you try to be upstream into the prevention side of things, and then you're obviously in, the, uh, in response to after there's a call that comes in. So you're looking at the call data. You're looking at the, the fire departments, you know, they, they collect CAD computer-aided dispatch and uh, RMS data. And that describes how long each bit of the getting out of the station into your house takes, right? But there's also, um, hey, I'm, I'm in the weeds on this one. The, the most important thing is they have a lot of flat file data that they've been collecting for quite a while. Not, not a firefighter got into the business to be a data analyst. Um, and so they've got all of this data. They've got historic data. They're having to figure out how does the community, how's the community changing year over year, month over month. Uh, and they know they've sit, they're sitting on performance data. They just don't know how to unlock it. Sure. So for us, it's just like, okay, how do we take all that flat data, augment it with a bunch of community data and give you something that you can use to improve your performance? Well, and I would guess some of that is just mapping out each fire station and who lives around it and how long it takes to drive to all those points. All the, the drive time is a big part of it, but but the shifting demographics are a big part of it would, too. Would right? some of it too even be like how many people are at the station, how fast you answer the call? Yeah, like, and they what, share what dispatches. Kind of, what kind and, of things you might be doing when yeah. the call comes in, or yeah, and you know the the only thing that a fire station can can change is how fast they can get from the when they get the call to out the door. Yeah, because sure. they don't want to drive too fast. That's right. not that's not a good uh, solution, right? But. So there's a there's a dispatch part of it, and then there's a how do we get how fast do we get? You out can't the door. drift a fire truck. <laughs> you you can, mm. probably could. Uh, you you I mean, would that have would, to, that would be an emergency. There'd be an emergency response right on the backside. I like where you're. <laughs> I really really like where you're going with us, okay. Watson. <laughs> Are we going to have Fast and Furious Part yes. Part Twelve yes. Fire Truck? Yes. The Fire Truck. You drift. can definitely see like yeah underneath the fire truck. Yes. even there'd be uh, the possibility. Yeah. You know, by the way, there was a, a funny story with drifting. So I used to have a Shelby Cobra, and I took it to Jiffy Lube once to yeah. just get. And the guy there was like, I got like a 10 minute inquisition. He's like, so, I mean, do you do any drifting or like you do any street racing? I was like, no, man, like I'm like a middle-aged white dude from the suburbs. I'm really not into like racing for pink slips or drifting. He's like, well, if you, if you ever really want to do it. So I used to get those questions all the time when I went to Ferrari. Yeah. They'd ask me how fast you drive. And I'm like 80. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I drove your Ferrari faster than 80 once. Yeah. Well, hey, Weird someone, it, get. well, but that, by the way, and that's, and that's actual data though. You look at some of that stuff, like, I mean, these, uh, it, I think it's interesting. I think the fire truck example is, is interesting because when something's on fire or there's a medical emergency, like a minute can be a massive oh, difference. A, I mean, that can be the difference between life and death. Yeah. 30 seconds, every 30 seconds, a fire doubles in size. Oh, so wow. it's, it is wow. really like, a, uh, a, you know, every second matters in that world. Sounds a lot like our listening audience, yeah. right? Every, <laughs> yeah. Doubling yeah, in yeah, size yeah. every 30 seconds. But okay. So um, now in regards to, uh, and just, uh, we like to catch the backstory of the experts that come to talk to us about, you know, these different subjects. Um, 
I mean, how do you, how did you get into data science? Like, how did you, like, there's, and there's a lot of like levels of, I've learned, I've been trying to teach myself a little bit just to try to understand how to use it for good and not evil ourselves. But I've realized there's a lot of layers to what you you could call yourself when it comes to being a data science. For sure. Uh, so May 4th, 2007, uh, there was an EF5 tornado uh, that destroyed the town of Greensburg, Kansas, completely leveled it overnight. Largest tornado in the history of the uh, recorded world. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and uh, out of the, my background's in city planning. Um, so after the after the storm, uh, then Governor Sebelius came to our office and helped, asked us to help with the rebuilding. And so I, I did that. And I, uh, for a year, was just like, driving down to Greensburg every week, spending all my time down there, trying to help them think about how they would rebuild. And, and that's why you were at my sidewalk. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've, uh, so I had my own city planning practice and then, then after, uh, right after that jumped over to yeah. the, then mine mixer, now my sidewalk. But, but the, the punchline of the story is, man, the, this city planning tools that are out there are awful. I mean, they are antiquated. There's nothing, everybody's making gut based decisions instead of actually having, good data to help inform how you're going to make really well, monumental generational and, decisions. And city bl- planning is super important as DeCourcy and I have both spent a lot of time in like Cebu city in the Philippines. Yep. That's a city that's 500 years old that has literally never had any city planning. Yep. Oh yeah. And you, it you is can tell a cluster disaster yeah, from yeah. like roads, infrastructure, yeah. everything about it is just atrocious. Yeah. No well, that's one of those things that in the background of wherever you live that is going on that is like vitally important that mo- I think most people never even consider. Yeah. Like who's planning this kind of stuff? And now, now everyone complains about it after right. it's not done right. Right. So when Matt talks about Cebu and it's, uh, it's funny because, you know, like some of the things really pop out, like there'll be a, uh, like what we would call a uh, pole like a, you know, just a wood pole and it'll be sitting on the corner and there'll be like 1500 wires coming out of it. And yeah. you're like, Oh my God, I can't help but think like, there's a lot of typhoons that come through here. And event one of the, that ha- those poles have to fall over occasionally. And then who's the one that gets to reconnect the wires and how do you, if they you, don't, they just run a new one. It, I think that's what we see. Is it? There's so many wires. Yeah. They just, that's because they just run a new one. So, but those kind of things. And then you also talk about the, the street planning. So I, growing up, a, a kid that lived on my street, his dad was a city planning engineer. And I remember ta- him talking about like stoplights. Yep. You like you, and there's, I would imagine that's something that you guys probably can probably examine. Like simple things, like if they're not timed right, you'll hit every red. Yeah. Or do just goofy things. Well, that, and yeah, and th- and that's obviously you. Then you multiply that by every commuter, uh, yeah. and and then you start having problems. Uh, and the cities, man, I could, of course I could talk about them all day long. I think one of the things that I love that I think is completely relevant to uh, every uh, startup founder out there is that essentially every city is like its own little business. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And when you think about it. There, there's an opportunity for each of them to be experimenting, for each of them to be, to be taking risks, for each of them to be sharing best practices. And nobody's really thinking about the cities in that way as nimble, um, you know, able to respond quickly, having a lot to teach each other. And so there's, there, there's just a lot of uh, low hanging fruit there. Yeah. And some of these things too. So um, we were talking about uh, actually talking about the coronavirus and yep. Seoul, South Korea, but I, and I'm supposed to travel through there soon. So I've learned a lot about Seoul, but one of the things I learned is their airport is three times more efficient than like the average airport in the world. 
Um, and a lot of that is data analysis. And oh. like, I actually found people like talking about that online. They're like figuring out like, how can we get people in? How can we get them out faster all the way down to like, you know, distributing planes on the runway and stuff like that. Now, I mean, literally they're three times faster. And Amazing. It, it is amazing considering that that's a mega city yeah. and, you know, you have planes going in and out. I mean, is the, it, and that is just real basic zeros and ones kind of stuff. Yeah. But, with, with pretty predictable patterns, right. unless there's something like coronavirus. And then all of a sudden when you've built a system for maximum of efficiency, you're, you're really taxing it. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the things too. So, um, with this are some of the, I think some of the things that are interesting, I was actually, I usually click on articles in the wall street journal that are related to machine learning and mm -hmm. AI because they're fascinating. And I read an article yesterday that the IRS is using AI to find people that are cheating on their taxes. Of course they should. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But why but, don't they? Well, well, right. Yeah. But I thought that was pretty interesting because you mentioned city planning and certain government things. Let's be honest. They're not really like it. They're not usually the crown jewel example no. for progress and innovation on many days. They're usually kind of drug behind the cart yep. and then catch up. So with your platform, is that kind of a turnkey kind of thing? Or do you like, as a, do I plug in? All right. So here at Matt and Matt, U city USA yep, yep. and we're wanting to do stuff. Do we use your, do we use your, my sidewalk as the structure or do you have to have a pretty heavy hand in helping us flip it? No, you're, you're using our platform. I mean, we, we have more data scientists on staff than probably, you know, the Western half of the United States. I mean, it is just not common for cities that work for city governments. That is, it's not common for cities to have anybody that has that kind of training. Yeah, sure. And if they do, it's just one or two people. Uh, I would so imagine that the cities also would have a hard time competing with the modern market of compensation. That and the data is unwieldy and it really, yeah. it takes more than they've got. And of course, you know, they don't have high turnover rates on staff either. So people have been there a long time and they're used to using old tools and doing it a different way. So do people primarily use your tools for city planning? Uh, th those are definitely uh, a big part of the decision. I'd say it's kind of twofold. It's like one, how do we improve our performance and get better? And two, and this is like fundamentally a, a national issue. How do we prove that what we're doing works? So a big part of what, what we build is actually communication tools about data. So mm -hmm. can we prove like how we fix potholes faster? Yeah, that would, that would be a really <laughs> good one. That's a hot topic But that's a really good one for us. It's like, okay, there's a, there's a compelling story, right? There's yeah. data, there's a compelling story. There's a resource allocation part. That's, that is bread and butter stuff that we're working well, on. Well, I, I think part of what your point is, though, is as well, is you have to prove to a lot of people the why. The yeah. value. Like, yeah. And, and so the thing is, is because you're like, hey, we've got to spend money doing this. But people in government, uh, well, sometimes are very illogical and then sometimes are overly logical. And they want to know, OK, so we're going to spend 100 grand on this. If you can make it tangible, say, but we're going to save four hundred thousand dollars on whatever, yep. then all of a sudden it makes sense. But you got to show like, eh, like what are the line items? Yep. Dealing with the government's excruciating. Yeah. By the way. So, yeah. So I, I apologize, or I feel for you. No, no. Actually, I, I mean, I'm, I'm such a nerd. I love it. Right. Uh, I mean, that's the the whole idea of government is that we do together what we can't do alone. I think that's a really powerful concept. So mm -hmm. like, uh, while there are, of course, there are warts everywhere. Uh, it's something I think that's worth, worth the effort. So do you guys provide just tools and a platform for them? Or do you provide a lot of professional services? Most, you know, we're doing our consulting. best to put as much of that into the platform. So like in the fire department example, 
it's really just, hey, give us your CAD data. We already have best practice already figured out. So we know exactly how to look at all of it. It's what you see is what you get. You get you give it to us. We're giving you a fully baked uh, platform in response, and it's ready to roll. So you got pre-built algorithms for common things. All of our, yeah. It's like we have a team of subject matter experts and instead of consulting, we're saying, okay, how do we use our very flexible platform to pre-inject that expertise into the software? So do you have competitors that do this too? You know, it's it like in, in a particular department or vertical, there are more like niche players that are just in that spot. Just in the fire. Yeah, department. exactly. And so, you know, a perfect example is, uh, you, you know, that there's an opioid overdose yeah. cr- crisis across the, across the country. Well, fire departments and public health departments uh, have a, have a specific interest in, yeah, got it. <laughs> have a specific interest in uh, sharing that data. Uh, and they're not doing that right now. So that's a really good place for us to really (laughs) stop, stop talking and get your picture taken. So do you, so to that point, do you guys also get data from the federal government that goes into this stuff too? Yes, we do. Uh, We're pulling from every source that we can find it from. But at some point, like these sort of regulations and sort of uh, current events and movements have to really help you, right? With all the states are really focused on opioid and you guys are like, hey, we're here. We can help. Yep. That like drives business to you, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're we're trying to be as proactive as we can about uh, seeing what's coming down the pipe. So there, in regards to data science, and I'm not claiming to have any level of expertise past like a hobbyist, but one of the things that and the different things that I've read or researched is it's re- very specific about your actual data because not all of it's useful. No. <laughs> you know, and that's and it seems to be the hardest. So if I'm going to when it comes to using data science, what are a couple tips that you can give me that are related to like what's useful and what might not be? I mean, and it, I know that's a really general yeah, question. Yeah, and it's but... not it, honestly the 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 classic uh, mistake by most of our customers is trying to measure everything. Uh, Th- that's and, the point. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. Like, instead of starting with okay, you know, there's this Venn diagram of really useful stuff and stuff that's easy to get, and like you should be starting in the middle of that. Uh, so that's what we're typically what we're trying to uh, help our customers identify is like okay, yeah, that's good aspirational content but like you already have this it's already easy to get we already know it's high value let's just get you a couple of wins with that data and yeah. grow grow from there so i just say start with like what's the pro what's a fundamental problem you're trying to solve that you think you have the data for is the right place to start and then the, then the next part of that that became very apparent was well and i you know like i said i entered this like this is literally me listening to an audible book about what yeah. is da- ai and what is data science because honestly i wanted to start there's a lot of really cool practical applications that come out of this stuff for i mean it, the fascination actually started i went to TechCrunch, um, yep. and every eighty uh, percent of the people that we talked to, the, these words came out of their mouth: our machine learning algorithm. Right, but you know, so much of it can be very simple. And some of the things that, all right, so we'll use GigaBook as an example. As you use it, it actually. Uh, that's our booking platform. You schedule okay. the, yep. to come in yep. here using it. And um, so as you schedule X number of services, it will th- make that first in your dropdown. And technically, that's like the most basic kind of rank of a ranking algorithm. And but it it 
makes things not annoying. Mm -hmm. So now when it comes to data, though, you get a lot of it. Some of it's structured and some isn't. And that was the thing that I, I found really fascinating. So like the phone carriers were the example, like, dude, there is literally like terabytes of information coming through cell phone carriers and it's coming in in a fairly unstructured way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so how do you, how do you help or deal with people when it comes to like, okay, I've got all this data. How do I make sense of any of it? Yeah. So th there are two buckets of data for us. One is the, are the data sets that we can get at a really large national layer kind of uh, availability. And for that it's okay. We're trying to make it as smooth as possible. We're trying to harmonize it across time those are the data sets that we can actually provide for things like machine learning. And you can see a lot of outside applications for that. The other bucket is our customer uploaded data. And it's as ugly and beastly as you would yeah, imagine yeah, you guys yeah, have yeah. like the like best and worst case scenario yeah. data. Like you uh, have an amazing amount of data, but it's in every format. People want to send it to you in every dumb way. They oh, yeah. don't send it on time. The what, files are corrupted. Like, it's that, a that's the, that's the problem with it, problem. though, because it doesn't have any structure yeah. around it. So, And people look at things like machine learning or AI, and they're like, isn't the machine supposed to? Yeah, no, it's not going to like figure out why you're an idiot. Yep. At least not yet. <laughs> Somebody adds a comma to a file and the whole damn thing breaks. There's, yeah. By the way, there's no reason I'm looking oh. at you when I'm saying that. <laughs> I didn't do it. Well, yeah. I just think street. Or ST, or there's a there oh, yeah. five different ways just to oh address parsing address, right? is the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but by the way, we actually there's there's you talk about that. I mean, data being so important, um, you know, the, the and how that can have an impact. So, uh, and I don't think he'll mind us mentioning. We work with a company in Australia that at full scale that handles some data, and um, the, their why, like why use us, is it's address verification. Right. That you saying that, but the thing is, is if you're going to send twenty percent of anything out and it comes back, like look at the waste. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then and then that trickles down because it's other waste. Like you yeah. theoretically paid someone to transport that with a vehicle using fossil fuels. And, and cut down a tree and everything. And it just, it's like a weird little cycle of bullshit that, you know, structuring the data correctly well, and, can, and can fix. Addresses internationally are very different than the United States. Well, that's States. the part we're, too. Yeah. We are so fortunate yeah. in the United States to have like a pretty simple addressing, but like in the Philippines, oh my God. It's Way like different. Yeah. My, my fiance's parents, their address is Acacia Street. <laughs> Who the hell knows where? By the way, and it's funny. No house that, number. So nothing. you you mentioned that. This is going to sound weird, but when our employees, when they onboard as a new employee, we get their address and we actually like part of the documentation is, okay, actually draw a very simple map. map. Of where it is. Yeah, because yeah. it's it, you talk about city planning. All right. The so, addresses don't have numbers or anything. Dude, there oh, is no crazy. city planning there. So, uh, and, and, that is great. I, and I'm 90% of our listeners are not in Kansas City, so this isn't going to make sense. But um, imagine whatever t uh, two lanes each direction road you have that goes from where you live to downtown. And now your entire city population is just driving on that every morning and afternoon. That's how some of these cities are. And there's, I mean, it, there's no predictability. And by the way, you talk about stoplights. Yeah, right. <laughs> Do they, if they're even there, 
nobody pays much attention. Maybe yeah. paying attention. I think it's about how you honk, how loud you honk and how forceful you are at wedging your vehicle in amongst the how others. How determined you look. I, I have decided <laughs> to uh, now in the United States when I drive, I just pull out in front of people and expect them to stop. Yeah, it's not a good practice, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's not because that's the way they do it in the Philippines. <laughs> it's not. Uh, if you can pull out point. in front of traffic and you're blocking, you have to stop. Okay, so the determination of data. Now, all right, I think when it comes to using data science, if you want to use it um, in a way that makes sense for your business, you have to start with a basic fundamental thought of how can I sell more or spend less? Yep. And then I think that's the basic business application. And then I think past that and still in Congress with those two things, because there are subcategories of selling more, spending less, is how can we use this data to increase or improve a, quote, customer experience? Like I mentioned with Gigabook, like, okay, um, I think people don't think this out. And startup founders, please listen to what I'm going to say, because I think it is important. Um, I, rule one for me when it comes to developing anything is, is this annoying? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is not no, mm -hmm. then we got to go back and fix something. Mm -hmm. And you look at something like putting, all right, so if you're, if you have a scheduling platform and you have five services and the one that's the most popular starts with S and it's you, every time you add that, you have to click and pick it from the dropdown, click and pick, click and pick. that eventually gets annoying. Mm -hmm. And that in these little tiny things contribute to a customer experience. Like Matt, how many data points to stackify? collect monitor or deal with every day it's uh, billions right billions a day yeah so it's like you know like what the fuck do we do with all of this and how do we make it useful so we pray I, yes pray we pray on the data pray. yes and then we get all <laughs> the answers oh my god that's probably the least scientific approach <laughs> that we could have come up with but but the point is 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 when you're figuring out how it's to use data science, science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, we there's stuff you can sprinkle on the data too. Yes, that makes it magic. But but the point is is the same way you're solving problems for cities, data can solve problems for businesses. We've had Matt Moody in from Bellwether, yep. and they used that same data to help help businesses retain clients or subscribers find unhappy customers and, and by the way though look at the trickle down effect though like key the word unhappy yes like you're improving your user and client experience and it, okay so that's selling more or spending less and anything you can use your data for to try to keep people in and around what you're doing is way more affordable than trying to find new clients yep uh completely agree and but abstract it even one level up and, and start thinking about, uh, you know, for what's a, what's a, a customer experience for a city? Because it, it is a thing, right? Your citizen experience, customer experience is absolutely a contributor to how successful you're going to be. And, and this is, you know, if I'm prognosticating, I'm convinced um, that there are going to be real winners and losers as it relates to cities over the next 25, 30 years. I agree. And it's not going to be nice to be in a losing city. That I think it's already, a, I think that's already very much a now thing, you not even 20 it. years. You can yeah. see it. I mean, it, it's, it's easier to, to delete an app off your phone than it is to move your, you know, move your residence, but it's not impossible to do. Uh, and, and if anything, I think that the, you know, the, the aging infrastructure, the, the, changes that we're we're having to deal with climate change issues those are really going to tax government uh and so the ones that are are able to look at the data and to make good decisions are going to be the ones that are that are the winners 
Uh, and that's, that's really where you're going to want to be living through time. You know, a, an interesting example, and these things are tough to measure, but if you have an entire city, so in Kansas City, what, we have two million, couple million people here. Yeah, in the region, yeah. Okay, so let's just say that uh, half of those people go somewhere every day. And the traffic, because we didn't plan well. And, you you know, if you're going to widen the highway lanes, that's like a years on end project. These these minutes and two, one and two minutes and five minutes and whatever, when you take them across millions of people, they become remarkably significant when the amount of time, because being stuck in your car is about as low value of an activity as you can engage in. So the human capital thing is is a real a real thing. Not to mention yeah. just the general mood. Sucks. When you're stuck in traffic, are you usually your worse? best self? I'm not very happy. That's why no. they have. It that's the why worst. road rage has its own. But definition. you can listen to the Startup Hustle podcast. Correct. While you're Correct. stuck in traffic, you know it's it's interesting. I've I talked to a lot of people about this podcast and them starting one, and yeah. they ask about like. I, I, these are intentionally the length that they are. I was going to say it about fits, right? Well, it fits a, a to and from. Yeah. So the average commute is to and from work is about 40, 45 minutes. And that's just a national thing. Some people have less, some people have more, but there's some in, intent around that. And that was me actually looking at data before we started. Now, sometimes we go a little longer than that because if we're talking about fun and interesting stuff, why not? But Yeah. And by the way, you talk about looking at data, we do get a lot, our, our peak listening is in the standard uh, uh, hours of drive time. Uh, drive time. And now it's across multiple time zones. Yeah, so it kind of spreads yeah. out, but you know, we get a little graph of who's listening. You're talking about thousands of people a day and thank you for being one of those people. We really do appreciate that. But there, there's also intent with that data, like this comes out at 5 a.m. Central Monday through Thursday. And I'm really bitchy if it doesn't yeah. for some reason, because that's, I want it to be out. Predictable. Yeah. And you know, that's 6 a.m. East coast and it's a little later, but you know, that's the time it is. So, right. you know, and that's, uh, we have had a lot like, well, let's call out Stuttgart, Germany again. Joseph, what's up, dude? Oh, by the way, we have a thank you. So Dawn Gabel uh, has was commenting on LinkedIn about how much she enjoys the podcast and thanks for the hard work. Thanks for noticing. We appreciate that. But um, our 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 buddy in Germany uh, who reached out and said, "Man, I, I love this. It keeps it it keeps me entertained during my commute." And I think he was mentioning he's like riding a train, yeah, or something. Probably. But you know, yeah. you just talk about. You know, there, if I don't know, we might have to come out with more episodes if my sidewalk can't fix the traffic problem nationwide. <laughs> We're going to have to lengthen it. Yeah. Don't make a... me have to lengthen this, Steve. No, 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 no. That's, and, that's, we're working on the opposite of that. So once again, we're here with Stephen Hardy, the CEO of My Sidewalk. You can go to mysidewalk.com. If you want to uh, find or stalk Stephen on social media, he's at Stephen R. Hardy. Got it. You 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 provided that data, so it Good. became open source. <laughs> now, okay. Um, I think one thing where the data doesn't lie is mixtape the game. Oh God! Now, unlike the time when I beat Watson eighteen straight times at Rochambeau. By the way, I'd like to see the data behind that. I learned about where Rochambeau came. That was actually a French general. And I watched a George Washington three-part series. And they were like, and Ro they kept saying Rochambeau. I was like, oh, that's where that came from. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So I have pulled a card from the mixtape deck. If you want to check out mixtapethegame.com or if you want to join us and 
potentially play on the app, Mixed iOS, app. Android. If you're a Spotify Premium member, you are in good shape. All right, I'm going to read a scenario. Okay. We're all going to mention a song comes to mind, and then we will vote. You may not vote for yourself or Watson. Okay. All right. <laughs> Is that voter Just, tampering? I think so. That's voter <laughs> suppression right there. What song would you have played defending the Alamo? Mm. I'm going with, you know, I really just want to say tequila, the tequila song. And it's because, it's because I think of Pee Wee Herman doing that tequila dance while, uh, and trying to get his bike out of the basement of the Alamo. So I'm going with tequila. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That I don't, that's going to be tough to beat. The the one that popped to mind, to mind and this is such an antiquated reference but the 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 was it 1812 overture which is the one with the cannons it seems like something that you need cannons for right i'm always down for anything no, with no, cannons. no 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 <laughs> you got it yeah, that's not bad i think that's the 1812 overture is overture. what it's called yeah. yeah yeah i think that's right i think that's right so i've been doing a lot of wedding planning and picking uh, music for my wedding and uh i guess congratulations. i'm gonna i guess i'm gonna pick one of those songs because they're all top of mind so i'm gonna go with uh who let the dogs out by Bob? <laughs> <laughs> wow! That, is that the so processional? Many, so many choices as a voter here. I've got who let the dogs out or the 1812 overture. Wow! What will I vote for? Or we can go with the Captain Underpants version, the 1812 overture. Oh, I like that. Are better. you familiar with that yeah. one? Oh well, I, I'm definitely familiar with the Captain Underpants. I am too. I can imagine overture. I, I am too. Funny story. My son ran down. He's three. He ran downstairs fully naked the other day with a t- with a t shirt tied around oh, his right head. And he said, "I'm Captain Underpants." <laughs> I was like, "Dude, you need to have on underpants." Yes. Then. All right, let's vote, and then we'll get back to the data. So I'm. Well, what's your answer? You, Who let the dogs out? Okay, I'm voting for Steven. I got. I got tequila. You're the. You're the tiebreaker. Mm, I'm gonna go with tequila. Yeah, it's it's a, mm. it's a solid you need a little you need something a little more uplifting. Yeah. You know what I want to do, and I sometimes defer the money gun, but we have these cameras that stream the uh, at Startup Hustle Podcast YouTube channel, and I don't I'm gonna fire this right into it. Oh my gosh! Gonna blast the audience with money, huh? Yep, there you go. <laughs> That's what it looks like to be looking down the barrel of a money gun. All Check right. us out on YouTube. You got it, baby. You got it. Yeah. We need to get, I feel like we need more money in the money gun because I want it to shoot. We should do, get some data around. There is that. a one $2 bill I see. Everyone points that, that out. Yeah. yeah. We're big spenders. It's the outlier. We're big spenders. Yeah. You found the anomaly. <laughs> yeah. Good job with if the data you, science. Actually, That's if you it. catch that while it's being fired, uh-huh. like specifically like Mr. Miyagi grabbed the $2 bill. You get to keep you, it. You had a dollar on your shoulder. <laughs> Did that, I? that was awesome. Yeah. I just like moved my arm and a dollar fell on me. <laughs> yeah, then you get to keep the two. There. Okay. So anyway, back to uh, back to what we're supposed to be doing here. Being serious. Talking about using data science. So we got to so, use the data science. Um, one thing. So uh, another thing I've learned with data science is there's platforms like yours yep. that are plug and play. And then there's a whole segment of programmers that really trend towards data science. And I found it to be interesting. If you want to, if you're building your own quote stuff, um, you're likely going to be using a Python programmer yep. an R programmer or a Java programmer. Those mm-hmm. seem to be the three that trend there. Do you guys? Yeah, we're mostly Python. Okay. Uh, 
and, the, and let's then talk, let's talk about why that works though like yeah. why is why is that oh i'm not the right guy for that I'm, yeah, well I, I mean am i gonna be the one that's I mean, gonna answer this snakes are really good at navigating data wrong no that was slight a slightly worse answer than preying on the data matt <laughs> Wow, do I get to be the like tech? Do I get to be the like programmer guy? Um, actually, there were so Python is often associated with automating tasks, which data is easily automatable, and it, it's also somewhat lightweight. So Python is a very easy language to learn. That too, it's very English like. But that, but that isn't the main reason that a lot of the data science trends to that. It runs in a lightweight kind of way. Um, so when you're looking at the server resources and stuff like that, it's a, it's, it's cheaper apparently, but I mean, those are some of the things. And then R is a, and it's funny, I'd never even heard of R as a programming language until I started kind of looking into the data science mm -hmm. and machine learning stuff. And that's very specifically made for that. Uh, there are a lot of products and servers out there, AWS, Google, Microsoft, stuff like that, that are dialed in specifically for data and data science and oh, yeah. machine learning now. So I think that that's yep. pretty cool. Overall, there's a lot of plug and play stuff. And, um, you know, I think some people get scared off by the, the data science. I, I, it, while it's super complex on some levels in some ways it, it wasn't yeah. as I learned more about yeah. it. So if you want to get started into data science, like what, like, I, I know we talked about what data or whatever, like what, what would be a, a standard approach for a startup founder if they want to do any of this? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, there are really good resources available online. It's one of the things that, you know, most of our customers uh, are are just getting into data and data science. And so uh, one of the things we've done, we've built a whole curriculum around how to just get started. And, and the, you know, for us, the ability to use things like Jupyter Notebooks and share your, uh, your formulas to have them double check, to have somebody be able to kind of scale what you've Is Jupyter the from. AWS? Is that their product? No, no. no. Okay. It's, it's, okay. It's an open source. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, I'd say just, I don't have anything that's better than just looking at what's available online and, and digging hey, in sometimes that. that's the easiest answer. That's what I, you know, I was even looking at different stuff and you can just like Google whatever it is you want to do and put the word machine learning in it. And like, I found lots of reference documents, like a lot of shared material that are like, Hey, here's a simple library in Java or Python well, to create a ranking algorithm. All, all these things are changing very fast. Yep. Like Microsoft SQL server has built in support for, different machine learning now and like R and stuff like that. But you go back a few years ago, R I think was one of the primary things to use, but now you have things like TensorFlow and all sorts of stuff. And, and I am not a data science guy. So, and, and by the way, here's the thing though, as someone that has hired and employs hundreds of developers at this point, uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you trying to find a quote R programmer. Eh, it's not really like, I mean, when you walk into a convenience store, you ex expect them to have Gatorade <laughs> and Coca-Cola and Pepsi and stuff like that. That is not, I mean, our programmers are not everywhere. Um, they're really not. That's kind of a specialty item. Python's a lot more available, um, you know, overall. And then some, so you talk about data, um, GitHub uh, reports, like who's signing up to do what. You're more versed with that. But data science, like, was the big spike yeah. Mm -hmm. over the fourth quarter of last year because so many more people are moving into it. Um, I think in the end, what I figured out is that data, calling yourself a data scientist doesn't necessarily mean you're a data scientist, but we can all kind of be one. I found it, I mean, I literally, I didn't dedicate a ton of time, but I 
I pulled some really useful stuff, both from like an audible book and a couple of videos on YouTube. Yeah. I think, I think being a data scientist is like being a software developer. I mean, it's like you can solve potentially any kind of problem, but the types of problems you solve are dramatically different. No. Like, yeah. Uh, as a software always. developer, yeah. like I can make a video game or I could write a microcontroller that controls how we water a farm or I can make a web application or I could actually do data science. Like, it does. You can to, use yeah. your skill set to do so many different things, and it definitely does require. I mean, here's the thing: is you talk about machine learning and AI, like they still, it's the programs still need to know what they're trying to do. Yep. It require like a human is tra- you're training that, and that's where the data scientist, as a as an analyst and someone that gives input, is crucial. You said you've got a lot of them on your team, so you're aware of that. Yeah, I think the the place where we actually see most of this fall down isn't in the technical work; it's more in the how do you communicate right. what you're finding uh and because you'll put 99 percent of your effort into finding an insight and one percent into thinking about how you design the communication around it and it'll fail every time everybody's eyes glaze over and so that if anything that's a place where we're really trying to focus in how you design and communicate about data science insights that's one of the things matt moody pointed out he's like we we've done a really great job of identifying some of the factors but then the companies realize pretty quickly, oh, shit, we got to actually execute. We got to do something actionable with this. And that's where, like in your case, you can't control whether a city is going to effectively use the data. Like actually or, yeah. fixing the potholes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> well, right. It's one thing to say, hey, they're coming up and we can even predict where they might be. Yeah. But actually getting yeah. deploying someone to do it or having the resources. Or, and then some of it's just a time issue. Like if you talk about using machine learning to keep a subscriber. Uh, once you, once you, that trigger goes off and you realize you're, you've irritated someone, your clock's ticking, man, yeah. just like the fire department. Yep, yep. And that's how we bring it all back to the beginning <laughs> of the episode <laughs> without, well, well, Stephen, I'm, you know, it's a fascinating subject. I'd like to have you back down the road to see if we can, can you know, expand on this. Yeah, I, I'd think love to. That, I think that it's something, uh, that everyone's going to be exposed to, whether it's cause the IRS is going to find you for cheating on your taxes, or the airport's going to get you out faster or, or Watson's going to have come to a miraculous conclusion about the data he found. Just keep praying. Yep. See you all next time. Praying in pythons. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. I was about to sign on snakes and praying is weird. Yeah. Let's not start like a snake. One of those snakes. snakes. I I don't want to start one of those snake churches, dude. Those are usually associated with things that, aren't progressive. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle. Startup Hustle.